Eight minute Rick Dayton show on KDKA on this 11th day of November, the day that's been designated as the day that we remember and honor and celebrate the service to our nation that have been provided by millions over the years here in the United States of America. Those who are veterans, those who have served, whether it's active duty, whether it's reserved, whether they were um, in the line of fire or whether they were stateside thousands of miles away, it doesn't make any difference because all of them are what made this country what it is today. And we are joined right now by somebody who certainly understands that very well. He is a curator at Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall. Welcome into the program on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, Michael Krause. Hello, my friend. How are you, Michael? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, for, thanks for having me. How many flags on your front lawn right now? Uh, I knew you'd ask a question. I couldn't answer. I don't know. <laughs> a it's lot. Got, but it looks so, yeah, great. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw some video it. of it earlier. It looks spectacular. Yeah, and at 530, they're having a musical tribute, and they're going to light luminaries to go along with it. Yeah, it's really awesome. And if you haven't been to Oakland recently and driven by Soldiers and Sailors, today's the day to do it because of all the flags that are there on the front lawn. We always talk about some things that are maybe a little off the beaten path, if you will. So, Michael, as you're on this time, we're going to go all the way back to World War One, starting 1914, taking us through 1919, but the Pittsburgh connection to what was the Great War, the war, right? Tell us a little bit about that Pittsburgh connection to what happened in the early part of the 20th century. Well, Pittsburgh, you know, of course, was a major industrial town at the time. So it was really ramped up for production for World War I. And the town is full of uh, immigrants, you know, people from other countries, especially Germany, Ireland and Germany. But there were a lot of Germans here um, who, who joined the American army to fight uh, for their adopted land. So that's, I always found that really interesting. How much pushback was there, do you think, within? I mean, because let's face it, the immigrant state very much was sort of within neighborhoods, right? I mean, we can still see it today, 100 years later, that Bloomfield had a lot of people who were Italian, right? There are sections and yeah. pockets, right? Polish Hill, why was it called that? Well, we know why. I mean, so how much pushback would there have been in those communities that they were fighting against what was the motherland? Sure. Well, you know, you said, uh, and, and uh, rightly so, that the war started in 1914. America wasn't involved in it yet, but we had we didn't get in it till 1917. Right. We had three years to learn about uh, the horrendous conditions, the terrible fighting, and and to um, kind of learn about our enemy, the German uh, or the Axis powers over there. And uh, certainly, there was pushback. Members of the German community uh, were a little little shy. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, exposing themselves or being seen too much, um, all, all in, uh, in the interest of being good Americans and not really being Germans anymore. Right, right. So the first American who was killed in the line of duty in France, tell us that story. Yeah, uh, his name is Thomas Francis Enright. He's, uh, he was born in Bloomfield. Um, he had been in the Army for a while. He, he was in since 1909. Uh, so he had, you know, a lot of experience, but he's among the first U.S. troops to go over. He's in the first division, they called it, because it was the the first first ones over, the Big Red One, some people know it as. Uh, and he and uh, several other of his comrades were out in the front lines uh, in some trenches in November of 1917, and there was an attack on, the, uh, on their position. And during the night, uh, the three soldiers... Uh, the, 
Enright and the two others with him were all killed. And um, they're considered the very first killed in action soldiers. And many people think Enright was the first just due to his positioning where he was found. And again, not at all surprised that Pittsburgh's right in the middle of it, right from the very beginning. The other story that I think is fascinating that you were describing to me is the story of a Marine who was killed at Bellevue Woods, but buried not once, not twice, not three times. He was buried four times. How is that possible? Yeah, it's amazing. It it was at Bellow Woods in June of 1918. Uh, It was a terrible fight, in fact. Uh, he was a Marine, and the Marines are, are well known for the fighting at Bellow Wood. It kind of gave them their uh, part of their esprit de corps, how tough they were. Mm. Uh, Foster was killed in the fighting. Uh, and as the fighting was going on, a comrade of his heard that Foster had fallen and made his way, crawled under fire to find him. He found him, and he temporarily buried him under some loose dirt and leaves just to cover him. When the battle was over, uh, Enright was moved. I'm sorry, Foster was moved to um, a second temporary grave. And then after, uh, after the temporary grave and the fighting moved away from there, he was moved to um, a permanent grave in France uh, because all American dead were kept in France. They didn't bring them home in 1918, 1919. But in 1921, uh, the government changed its mind and allowed American dead to be brought home. And that's when uh, Foster was brought home for the fourth time, and he's buried in Dravosburg in Richland Cemetery. Hmm. How often? I mean, did that happen for all? I mean, was it a family's discretion as to whether they came back or whether they were left there, or was it pretty much unanimous uh, across the board that they were all to come back if they could? No, it was a family's decision. Yeah. In fact, many families, you know, the government said they're not bringing them home after World War One. They were going to lay uh, where they had fallen, and that upset a lot of families because they wanted their their sons and fathers and brothers brought home. There was a an organization called Bring Home the Dead Soldier League, right. and Foster's father was a was a, a big part of that, and even testified in front of Congress. And um, like I said, in 1921, uh, uh, the government changed its mind, and it was up to the discretion of family. They wanted the body brought home. The government would pay for it to be brought home and uh, buried in a local cemetery. Michael Krause joining us, curator from Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall. Tell us again what happens at 5.30 this evening if people can get to Oakland. Well, we have the fill the hill uh, with our flags, but at 5.30 there's a musical tribute, and uh, they will also be lighting luminaries. So even if you don't make the musical tribute, you might just want to drive by and see uh, flags and luminaries. It would be a very inspiring sight. Well, Michael, we sure appreciate everything that you and the entire staff there at Soldiers and Sailors do to preserve these memories of these brave men and women and to make sure that all of us know those stories. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Always good to have him on the program. He's uh, Michael Krause, curator of Soldiers and Sailors. And hey, if you're just looking for an incredible afternoon to go out and learn something about our amazing history and our military and those who have served from here in western Pennsylvania, that is as good a place as you will find right down the street. It's in Oakland. You can't miss it. Soldiers and Sailors.